Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Everything Co-op. This is a beautiful morning in Washington, D.C. And we have Mr. Ted Rao on with us this morning and Mr. John McNamara. Ted is with the he's a co-founder of Sociocracy for All. He founded this and he's the executive director. And John McNamara is with the Northwest Co-op Development Center. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Ted, what is sociocracy? Yeah, sociocracy is what we would call a governance system. So it's a way to help groups make decisions. And it's typically in two parts. One is about how we decide who decides what, so that everything has a place where it can be decided and many people can be decision makers. And one is about how do we decide. And that is in sociocracy, consent decision making. So a way of making decisions together that really makes sure every voice matters in the decision making process. So it's just a system for groups to figure out how they can make their decisions collectively. So it's a system for making decisions collectively where every, everybody has a chance. So it's who makes the decision and how do, and we decide. How do they make the decisions? Who yes, and exactly. how? Okay. Not when and where, but who and how. Okay. Who makes the decisions and how do they make decisions? Um, is there a need for such a thing? We, we've had governance systems. Well, there is a need if you're not happy with how decisions are made right now out there in the world. And there's plenty of reason not to be happy with it. For example, majority vote is a governance, is the decision making method, right? That is used all over. And just how it plays out is that the 51% have a say about everything and the 49% um, are not going to be heard. So I guess I would see a huge need uh, for new governance systems just to have more places where people can actually uh, listen to each other and really also take in the minor minority voices um, and also there's a big need, for example, in organizations that have very inclusive decision-making methods, like where everybody decides everything together. They often get worn down by those processes. They um, often struggle or just um, meetings taking very long and not having full clarity and very much frustration with informal kind of power hierarchies that uh, develop in these kind of unstructured um, environments. So sociocracy is kind of that something that sits in between. It's structured enough, and yet it's still inclusive. And that is a sweet spot that current systems typically don't have. Structured enough, and everybody will have, have some structure, but it's not one where everybody has to agree. Yes, because, so let's go in a little more deeply into that. So what we do is we take all the decisions that could possibly be made in an organization and kind of chunk it down into, like package it into, into something that's more manageable. And we say, okay, let's say marketing. You guys, this group of four or five people is now going to look at marketing and, and that's the key point, 
those people will be the final decision makers on marketing. So they get to decide. It's not that they can be overruled by somebody like the executive director, for example, so that we take everything and chunk it and then have those have those groups uh, take care of it. So in that way, everybody who is a member of a, of a, of a group that is making decisions has a say there. And then in addition, we have systems so that people can give input to those groups so that let's say the marketing team, if they make a decision that is a pretty fundamental decision for the, for the um, organization, they can ask everybody else in the organization for their input so those five can really make a good decision that is very much informed. But that creates some clarity on who decides what. And again, I want to emphasize because people miss that piece the point that those groups will be the final decision makers on those topics. So we really hand over the power and distribute it completely and say, okay, you guys work on it, you also get to decide. So that's that's a fundamental piece of sociocracy, the well, distributed decision making. Ted, I, I'm, I'm used to the hierarchy. So mm. you, have, you have a head guy up, up at the top and then you have – I don't know, a board of directors, if you're talking about all oh, you have a president, executive director, board of directors, different divisions, marketing, production, whatever. But the head guy has the final decision. And now you're saying, oh, the head guy won't have the decision. The marketing group, if that's what this group decides, they'll have the group, they'll have the decision on marketing stuff and production will have the productions and distribution on this, whatever. Whatever the groups are, then they have the power to make decisions as it relates to that. Yeah, yeah. pretty wild, huh? Yes, and the yes, the idea is really that we that we trust the people, right? That those who are the closest to the work actually know what should be happening. Because what we have in hierarchical situations out there, right? If you look at a company, the people on the ground know exactly what's working, what isn't working, but nobody really asks them. And sociocracy really flips that on its head and says, no, the people who are working on the ground, if we let them make the decisions, then it's probably going to be more related or like more relevant to what is actually needed and more realistic. Wow. The other piece is that it just in, it encourages more self-organization, right? If you think something needs to happen, form a, form a team and go do it. And it's not going to be the situation that you have all these ideas that then get cut off by the people in power, right? So you, you, if there's energy around something and you get the mandate to take care of it, then you also do it. And nobody's going to say, nobody's going to shoot it down then. So I want to get John in this conversation here, but I, I got a whole bunch of questions like how did it get started, how is it going, blah, blah, blah. But John, why from you're from the Northwest Co-op Development Center up in Seattle in that area of the world, Northwest. Why are you interested in sociocracy? I think, um, I think sociocracy is, is sort of a, a native operating system for cooperatives. Cooperatives are based on one member, one vote. They're based on uh, the concept, uh, the, the values of self-responsibility and democracy and, you know, equality and equity. And I think sociocracy is a system that actually has that built in. That, um, you know, we often talk about one member, one vote, but I think sociocracy takes that one step further and says people should be involved in actually creating the proposal, not just voting on the proposal. And and it creates a lot of buy-in. It creates a lot of strength in organizations because people are invested in decisions they help create, right, instead of just voting on something. And uh, and so that buy-in really makes it strong and really makes it vital. 
And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think from the cooperative ethos, uh, sociocracy is a perfect fit, really, in how uh, organizations should run. And too often, cooperatives tend to model their competitors, which tend to be very hierarchical and uh, majority rule, and that pulls them away from the cooperative model. I think we call it isomorphism in, in the management world, but, uh, you know, uh, it's... Uh, sociocracy keeps keeps those values alive and functioning in in our in our co-ops so what you just mentioned was uh, uh principle number two uh, democratic member control one member one vote but the first one uh co-op principle is voluntary and open membership is open to to anybody and everybody and then there's a member's economic participation in co-ops they, to put some money in and if further profit gets some money out and then there's autonomy and independence, and you mentioned that a little bit too. That they have the co-op members have to have control, so they have to have control. They one member one vote, and you're saying now though they get to vote on things under co-op, but with sociocracy they get to create that thing which they get to vote on. Did I summarize that okay? Is that absolutely, and I would add education, information, and training too, because with sociocracy. Even those workers in an organization that aren't actually members still participate, and so they learn and about cooperative ethos, and that might lead them to choose to be joining the cooperative later on. But it, it will help them see the value and the cooperative difference as well. So you just mentioned the fifth principle, which is the main reason I started liking co-ops, education, training, <laughs> information, that everybody throughout the organization gets trained and a part of that is that the co-op needs to train the community about co-ops and legislation about co-ops. So that that's a big one for me. Okay, so sociocracy fit in here. I wonder if that's going to be the eighth or ninth principle. Okay, <laughs> create that which you are going to vote on. So, John, as you're developing co-ops, are you recommending that they would use this model for their governance? I absolutely include that when I present on ways that they can make decisions, and I highly encourage sociocracy. Of course, it's it's up to them. I mean, we we don't prescribe how people should run their organizations. We we educate, we train, we we give them the information. But it's of course uh, it has to be something they choose to do that fits within their culture. And uh, we we talk a lot about how to create a cooperative culture, of course, and include that. But but it's always up to them. Okay. So what's what is your and the last 10 that you've done that you've told, how many have chosen sociocracy or do you have any sense of how, um, how that works? I would say uh, when people hear about it and learn about it, uh, they tend to, to gravitate towards it. They like it. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's always um, how, how much they adopt it. I think it's a very natural sort of feeling organization, but whether people um, – go all in and, and do the prescribed model that uh, Sociocracy for All teaches or whether they take parts of it that really work for them, it, it varies. But I would say uh, at least out of the last four or five co-ops, I would say three or four have taken some form of Sociocracy on. Three or four out of five, that's 60, yeah. 80%. That's pretty yeah. big. Okay. By the way, I've I've done a little training in sociocracy, and I like what I've learned, and I want to do some more myself. So I really like it from a standpoint that everybody 
and maybe Ted, you can explain this. If I were in a manufacturing concern, the people on the floor, the bottom of the group, the way the hierarchy works, the people on the floor, and I used to be at a Ford manufacturing facility on, on the line, we never had any say of what happened. So how would those people have a voice? Well, and if you think back to that experience, I'm sure there were a lot of people, a, a lot of things that you knew what could be improved, right? That goes back to what I said earlier. So, um, again, I, I'm going to use one term that we use in sociocracy that I find really useful just as a term. And I know um, there's kind of a little bit of jargon that comes with everything one learns new. And it's the term of a domain. And a domain is everything that you can decide right so the question is what domain can be held by those people and i'm sure there's a lot but we would have to dig a little deeper of how it's structured and so on but really we're trying to create those those areas and domains where those people have particularly much to say that really affect how they work ted we're going to get ready for our first break and i really want to understand more about the domain and how you set this domains up throughout an organization of what an individual group can decide. So what we've heard so far is that from Ted, he is a co-founder of Sociocracy for All. And Ted, what what is your webpage? Sociocracyforall.org. How do you spell sociocracy? <laughs> oh, S-O-C-I-O, and then Chrissy like in democracy. So then it's sociocracyforall.org. Sociocracyforall.org is a way that you can find out about the organization. And John has been talking about how to utilize this in developing co-ops. We'll be back to talk more about the domains in sociocracy. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op. And we have Mr. John McNamara and Mr. Ted Rowe on the line with us today. We're talking about sociocracy and cooperatives. Before we took break, we were talking about domains. Uh, I'd asked a question about people on the line uh, in, a, in a factory. Uh, normally in a hierarchy, they're at the bottom of the totem pole, and they don't get heard. And you were mentioning that there are domains. How are domains created or how does it all work? So the easiest way to think about it is the following. If you think of how to start an organization, that's easier to think about it that way. So let's say you have a group of six people coming together, founding an organization. Then those six people would decide everything together in the beginning. Right? Okay. Let's assume that they now say, okay, three of us should start making the website. Okay, for the organization, they would now form what we would call a sub circle that makes the website and decides everything about this website. Because we had said that if you pass on a domain and you pass on part of the task, you also pass on with that the final decision making to them. So now let's say there's something else that they do. They now form another sub circle and again, they pass on the domain for that sub circle, whatever it might be. And then, for example, website circle might pass on some of its subdomains to other groups so that you have a, a fractal, fractal pattern of everybody passes on things to a more, um, more concrete group that really focuses on that area. 
So now if you look at, if now back to your question about the manufacturing company, it now, or the co-op, then now we would have to look at, okay, what are the different pieces, right? You're kind of looking at it with like with that angle from there and it really depends on what else there is but ideally they would have a say on how manufacturing goes okay so john you were talking about starting co-ops and you said that out of the, perhaps the last five three or four of them used total all of sociocracy or parts of it okay and what i heard ted just say is when you're starting up a co-op that's when those people that are starting it would make a lot of decisions about who will be in what domain how has that been working for you um i I think it gives clarity to uh the organizations that um, um, some of the groups i've worked with they start as uh, you know more true collectives where everybody is involved in every decision and that becomes difficult as they get bigger or more complex and by being able to compartmentalize the work and and have uh, smaller groups uh, it, it allows them to be more efficient in their in their process and more engaged and uh, and you know not everybody is always interested in every part of the of the business right uh, there's areas that people gravitate towards you know for myself i always gravitated towards marketing you know and uh, so why does someone who really is understands and enjoys marketing need to deal with maintenance? Like what what are what input are they gonna have with that? If if they don't like it and they don't really understand it, let them focus on areas that they do excel in. And I think that's what gives a lot of uh, life to it. And giving life to it is why sixty to eighty percent of them will gravitate towards sociocracy. I think so, yes. And, and people want to be heard. They want to have their voice. And, and we know this from um, long-term studies in, in, in the U.S. Uh, uh, that workers value being having agency in their work and having a voice in their work. And the, it's almost more than pay. It's a bigger consideration than, than pay and benefits is being able to be treated as a full human in their in their workplace. And and so I think the sociocracy is a model that actually uh, helps elevate the people's voice. John, I don't, I don't, I have a hard time believing you that people want to hear their voice more so than money. Okay, you just said. Well, there's there's a study called there's a study called uh, What Workers Want by Joel Freeman and Robert uh, McKenzie, uh, McKenzie, I think, and I kind of got his last name wrong, but uh, well, over 20 years they actually polled and surveyed workers, and and that's what they found is that. Uh, Workers really value agency as a human in their workplace. I said that jokingly because Dane Pauline <laughs> Green on this show said that co-ops help people come out of poverty with dignity, and my sense of that dignity is having voice. Okay. Where you where you feel good about self, where you know who you are, and that your your comments mean something. And when they are accepted and voted on, and then it makes a positive improvement to the whole group then you have worth, you have value, you have, which is more important, self-worth and financial wealth, financial, after you've got enough to eat. Okay. <laughs> okay. Once you can feed yourself and, and have a safe space, then that worth is so extremely important. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, can I add something to that? Sorry. Please. Can I add something? Yeah. And that is that I guess I just want to mention one because I find it so, um, 
I guess disheartening is that there's a lot of talk when it comes to voice about like, oh, we want, you know, people want to feel heard. And I almost want to take like a red marker each time and cross that out. It's not about making people feel heard. It's about hearing people, right? And even better, giving them a say, like the actual say, right? No, like let them decide. And that's, that to me is one of the, that's the essence of sociocracy, really. Let them actually be the decision makers. That's the point. So not a sense of feeling. Yeah, I come and feel John and feel John feels heard. Okay. No, it's not that. <laughs> It is John is being heard. He can look at people as he's talking and see that they are hearing him. And then what the vote comes up or what happens, they know that their comments were heard. It's put into the policies or whatever, or the marketing strategy if John is in a marketing exactly. group. Okay. That causes one to have self-worth. And that to me for my 75 years on this planet is more important than money. And then I, I didn't need to study what workers want. I, I had come to believe that in my experiences, both when I am heard or not heard and then people around me. So yeah, I, I totally, that's been my experience. So Ted, how can people learn about this sociocracy? So, what we do in Sociocracy for All, and that's what the name also says, is we want to give people access to this stuff because it's been around for decades now, actually, but not really picked up until, let's say, 10 years ago it really started, or maybe eight years ago, uh, that people really saw the value of it and, and a bigger, bigger number of people wanted to go for it. So what Sociocracy for All is doing is just giving access. Uh, giving access. And one thing I want to say, just like John and his work, this is not a prescriptive thing. You know, we're not walking around and saying everybody should do this because that would kind of defeat the purpose of self-determination and self-governance, which is what I care about the most. What we want to do is give people options because if you don't know about it, if you think hierarchy or deciding everything together is the only option or are the only options that you have, then you can't even tap into that. So we wanted to put it on the map as one of the things that you can do. The way out for some people who look at it. And so how one can learn about this is on our website, especially on the content page. So sociocracyfall.org slash content. It has all the things spelled out, how to make decisions, how to have meetings, how to set up a structure, how to get started, all of that. And then some other processes that come along typically with sociocracy. So that's one way. And of course, there's paid trainings and so on, all the deeper stuff. But the basics are all out there. We took care of that. So go to sociocracyforall.org, go to the content page, and then get a lot out of it, out of that. Okay. John, um, I heard you guys are having a conference, though. Is that another way that people can come to get this? Absolutely. Next Thursday, in fact, we will be having an online conference. Uh, it is an international conference. Uh, so I think on the website, sociocracyfraud.org, you can uh, search the events and, and find it to register. It's, uh, it's going to be really exciting. There will be uh, a session called, uh, that's basically sort of a one-on-one session for people new to sociocracy and also for people new to co-ops. So uh, to discuss how the two work together and, um, and also really align uh, sociocracy with co-op values and principles. We have another of other, other, other sessions. Uh, I should mention that Sociocracy for All is an international organization. 
So we're really excited. One of our workshops will be a uh, co-housing community in Belfast, Ireland. We also are going to have a, uh, a meetup group for a burgeoning co-op and sociocratic movement in uh, Turkaye. Um, so the Turkish uh, language uh, will be uh, spoken in that group. I'm not sure how what uh, our language uh, options are for the entire conference, but uh, there'll be a number of different sessions of learning about how sociocracy works within different cooperative movements. And uh, I think it runs for six hours. Uh, and uh, we use the universal time constant. For, I, I don't know exactly when that is. I know for my time, it's 8 a.m. till about 2 p.m. So. so I heard you say you go to Sociocracy for All, go to events. And I'm in the web page now, Sociocracy for All, books, resources, training, and events, events and workshops. You know, we're going to have to come back, Sociocracy in Cooperatives Conference 2022, on June the 23rd, from 11 a.m. to 1800, I guess that's 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to take our second break, and then we're going to come back. And John and Ted, I really want to get into some of these workshops and more, a little bit more detail on what's going on in this in this conference. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. Your news talk station. We're back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. This program, John and Ted, we've been on almost nine years. October will be nine years, and National Corp Bank has been our sponsor throughout that nine years. Uh, Cabot Creamery has come in this year, uh, Creamery, to, to help us also. But NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. So have either one of you gentlemen had the opportunity to work with NCB? Um, not directly, but uh, the co-op, my home co-op, uh, Union Camp of Madison, was uh, founded with a loan from NCB back in 1979. So we were one of the first loans that they issued. Uh, and and which, what is that home co-op? Uh, Union Cab of Madison in Madison, okay. Wisconsin. So uh, Union Cab is a 40-plus year legacy of uh, of uh, the NCB. Fantastic. So part of the reason I'm here, I guess, today is because NCB was around in 1979. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, they have been a great partner of this show because not only have they helped with money, but they've been here for the other things that we've been talking about, support, listening, hearing, giving advice. Just, they've been a wonderful, wonderful partner. And Roberta McDonald was on the show from Cabot Creamery, and uh, they are now pitching in to see how they can help us and how we can work together. So we can support them and they support us. So I want to go back to the conference. John, you had mentioned one-on-one -on -one was that you that mentioned a segment of the conference where there's going to be some one-on training to find out what is sociocracy and what are co-ops? It, it will be sort of a, a, a one-on-one, a basic level uh, introduction. A one-on-one. Yeah, okay. That'll be uh, with uh, yeah Andy Grant and Mark Simmons from uh, the UK. For people who are new to it or are interested and for co-op or sociocracy curious, 
want to learn more about it, that will be a great session for people to, to put their toes in the water and check it out. So this is on the 23rd of this month, which is next Thursday. Right. And it starts at 11? Well, uh, let's see. What would it be? It would start at 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern and uh, run until, I guess, 4 p.m. Eastern. Is that right? Or, yeah. I think that's correct. What I just saw on the webpage was 11 a.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Oh, that's right. That's, you're right. The reason I want to get it straight is because I have my radio show from 10 30, 11 30, so right. I missed that first half an hour, then I can hop on it after that. That's why I was trying to figure out when it is. And so folks from the U.K. are going to be tr doing this training. So because it's virtual, you can get people from all over and they don't have to travel. Absolutely. neat. And, and, and the organization itself is international. We have members and participants from all over the world and even a, a, whole, a whole network that is for Spanish uh, speakers as well uh, that is that actually came out of the co-op circle. Uh, one of its founding members was part of our co-op world and went, felt that there needed to be a Spanish language structure as well. Yes, absolutely. So, Sociocracy 101 and Co-op 101 with Andy Grant and Mark Zimmons, 11 a.m. Okay. So, what is Adventures in Sociocracy at Third Sector Accountancy? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I think uh, that is going to be talking about uh, the, the startup process, but also how you manage growth, and uh, especially when uh, you have an idea in the, the co-op world and you have rapid growth, that's something that uh, co-ops often have to deal with, is how do you manage growth and maintain your cooperative identity and values, and, uh, and they'll be talking about how sociocracy uh, engaged with that and allowed them to, to grow. And I should say that yeah, the organization itself uh, has done a lot of rapid growth over the last five years from our initial founding. <laughs> so, so you're talking about sociocracy for all has grown. For all, right. It uh, started out as, I think, two or three circles and now has a huge, a huge network. So what's a circle? Ted, you, Ted, you want to answer? Yeah, a circle, a circle is that's just the word we use for a team that has kind of that defined domain, but we know exactly who it is and what they're doing. Yeah, and sociocracy for all, we started, yeah, I mean, we started with two people and then three circles and so on, and now it's, I think, 50-something circles. So that's that's um, quite a lot of people um, wait, wait, all I'm, doing I'm, their own thing. Ted, I'm with you. i got to go back a little bit. You all yes. started with two circles, and now you have, did you say 50 circles? 50-something, yeah. Well, we started with two people. It was me and my co-founder starting it and saying, like, oh, let's do the sociocracy for all thing. And when did then, you start? Uh, I should know this, shouldn't I? 2016, <laughs> 2017? 2016, probably. And then what happened was that people were like, oh, this sounds great. Can we join? And we thought, join what? It's just us, you know? <laughs> and then we're like, okay, fine. We'll be a membership organization. And then people started joining and joining and joining. And it was just so much growth, which, you know, in sociocracy is fairly easy to handle because you just pop out another subcircle and populate it. But yet it was a little disorienting at times just because growth is, right, when things just change and change and change and change. So that has been very much our own experience as well. Um, yeah, because if you've got 50 circles, even if it's just two people per circle, that's 100 people. If you got five people per circle, that's 250 people. 
Right, and there's overlap, of course, a little, right? That's the good thing, because that keeps the whole thing sane and everybody's better informed. And some of that is by design, so that's actually something that we deliberately put in place, that if we have, a, a so to speak, a parent circle, and then it's sub-circles, so to speak, that there would be at least at least one, ideally two people overlap so that they can really carry information from one to the other. So there's overlap, yeah, but it's about, it's about 190 people or something like that. That's a lot of people. And as John said, it's all, it's all international. So there's all the, you know, time zones, languages, all of that. So getting everybody involved so everybody has a say, they know they have a say, they know they're heard, not just feeling heard, but they know they're heard and creating the circles or the teams and how information flows from one team to the next, whether it's up and down or sideways to sideways, where however this organization is. Is that yeah, yeah, and information, information is so key to everything, you know. For example, circles also make their budget decisions, right? But they need to understand the wider context of the budget, like where does money even come from? Where does it go? What are other people spending? Or, for example, we have a policy that each circle can set the pay rate for if, if somebody is paid in the circle, right? Not everybody is. It's largely people are volunteers, but there are people in paid positions. So now, what's their pay rate? based on what? And that is a decision that the circle can make. Which, by the way, is an interesting, it's also one of the pay and sociocracy is actually one of the topics in the conference too. And it's one of those things where it's great to have a say and sometimes also a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a burden, but it's a little scary. It's intimidating. It's daunting for groups to have to make these decisions. So that, that empowerment also comes with so much responsibility that sometimes people are not throwing their hands up in the air to, to take it, right? But that, to me, is part of what we all need to learn, right? And that people in co-ops need to learn, people in sociocratic organizations in general need to learn to have these conversations and really make those decisions intentionally and together. Okay, John and I are in a circle, and we're in the marketing circle. I taught marketing, John, so we can talk. Okay. And we decide that I'm going to be volunteer and John's going to get paid. And so we decide John should get paid $75 an hour. Now, Ted, you and I are in a circle and we're in the, oh, what do we, what circle we're in, Ted? <laughs> what we're circle, in what's the, the circle you in? Um, how about we do something like training? Let's do training. Okay. Now, John and I decided he's going to get 75 bucks an hour and you're going to be doing the training. So let's say we decide you're going to get 30 bucks an hour because trainers don't need as much money or they don't make as much money as marketing people are. Mm. Doesn't that cause some conflict now if, if you find out that John is making 75 and you're only making 30? Mm. And we do have we do have differences. By the way, overall in sociocratic organizations, the difference between the lowest and the highest pay person tends to be not as big, you know, as you would have. Well, I'm not sure whether I would say that it necessarily creates conflict. It surely creates tension, yes. And but you know, not tension as in conflict, but more in like, whoa, okay, what do we do with that? You know? Okay. How do we how do we how do we hold that? And for example, the difference for like um accommodating for um, different areas in the world, right? Like what does somebody uh, get, pay, get paid in, you know, in Mexico versus in New York City? That's <clears throat> maybe has to do some breathing of like, okay, that's, that's now happening. We need to talk about this. How can we, how can we hold this well? Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a big topic. So what I like that you said is yeah, there's tension, 
attention from a standpoint of let's have a conversation and let's figure this out. What are all of the variables that goes into John's 75 bucks an hour and you're 30 bucks an hour? Or uh, if John lives in San Francisco as opposed to southern Seattle or wherever, the price of living is much higher. And you say Mexico City, but it could be anywhere where it's lower. How do you work all of that? And I guess it's just through conversation. Jack's getting the fifth principle of information training, getting the data and then sorting it through and then coming up with something and, every, and having the say of what you come up with. John, you were going to really say something? Yes, nothing is, is permanent in sociocracy. We, we have the mantra of good enough for now, safe enough to try. So people <laughs> consent, right, to what they're getting paid. And, and they can come back and review it after a certain amount of time. And if that's not working, then they can uh, bring the experience. It's almost like a real experiment. If you think about it, you create a hypothesis, you implement it for a time, and then you review it to see if your hypothesis was uh, true, true, right? And and that's how sociocracy works. It's, it's an ongoing experiment. And so... Um, you always have the chance to revision. It's not like uh, this is where you're stuck at for indefinite. Good enough for now, which is the, getting the truth. Good enough. For, and what's the second part of it? Safe enough to try. Safe enough to try. Got it. I love it. Good enough for now. Safe enough to try. Okay, so we're going to go back to the conference. And in the conference, there's social theocracy as a guide to our pay process in a worker co-op. Mm, that's the one that's, I was referring to, right? That's what we're, we're just talking about, too. Huh? Right, right. Exactly. And then in particular, one thing that um, we've been asked to point out is the session on diversity, inclusion, equity, and justice that uh, John, I think, already mentioned. But just pointing that out, everybody is very excited to have Jessica Gordon-Emmerd there. Um, to talk about that, because that's also, of course, one of the central issues when we talk about power um, and distribution of power and and how to make sure people are heard and have a say. That's, of course, a huge topic that is really central. So um, we're going to take our break and we're, I'm going to come back and talk about the circular cooperative model in Turkey, co-op, co-creating a community a practice, but these different segments, and I want to spend a little bit more time talking about Jessica Gordon Nimhart and um, her DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, the talk that she's going to be talking about, because she's been on the show four or five times uh, in these eight and a half years, and she's one of my heroines. She's awesome. Tremendous amount of knowledge the lady has. We are going to our third and final break. Gentlemen, I knew this was going to go quick with all that we could talk about, but we're going to take a break and we're going to come back. And I want to encourage everybody to go to www.sociocracyforall, hit content to understand what the, this organization is about. And if you hit uh, training and events, you can come down to get information about the conference. We'll be right back. Please do not touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. Information is power, and that's the reason WOL is a great, great 
partner for these last almost nine years. But you know, it's not information that gives you the power. You only get the power when you get into action, when you use the information. That's where the power comes, and you can get a lot of power, a lot of information by coming to this conference on sociocracy and co-ops. That's going to be next Thursday from 11 a.m. Eastern Time to 6. You can go to Sociocracy for All webpage, sociocracyforall.org, and get information about it. Uh, Ted, we haven't talked. How much does this cost? <laughs> You are catching me completely drawing a blank on this one because that is another one, an interesting one. There, I'm, you know, executive director of this organization, and the price for this conference was set by the circle. So it's not I decide that. I can look it up here. It's sliding scale, ten to seventy-five dollars, and suggested as twenty-five. But I'm not a decision maker there. I'm, I'm sorry. Your, the circle decided that it's going to be a sliding scale from 10 to $75 with a suggestion of 25 Yes. That's the cost of this conference. So that first seems low. And secondly, why a sliding scale? I know you, you didn't do it as executive director. <laughs> I got that. But why a sliding scale from 10 to $75? Well, do you want to speak to that, John, since well, you're in the circle? You know, I think it was actually the conference circle that set the actual price. So the conference circle helps do the uh, actual production of the conference. And the co-op circle, we decided to have a conference and we created the content. But uh, then there's a conference circle that, and their job is to is to manage the conferences. And But I think it's, it's about... Uh, you know, understanding that there is an international basis that for some people in some countries, 10 U.S. dollars is a lot of money. For, uh, and in some other countries, it's uh, it's not as much. But uh, also understanding that uh, people should uh, give people the opportunity to to name their value for, for what they're getting. And so it's uh, definitely we want to, to be accessible to as many people as possible. And uh, but we also... Uh, definitely need to fund the organization as well, and so uh, giving people the opportunity to to pay it forward if they want, uh, but also making sure that uh, you know folks can can also attend. Okay, so if I wanted to go, I could pay ten, or I could pay seventy five. I, I bet you could even pay more than seventy five if you wanted to. <laughs> I have been blessed enough, John, that you're absolutely right. If I wanted to pay more. And I believe in a God, so God has blessed me that I could pay more. Now, if I were somebody or if you knew somebody, let's say in Mexico or in uh, Haiti or one of these countries, uh, Bangkok, that very, very low to no income, could they come to this conference? Yeah, because we have a general general policy that – Affordability, affordability is something we care about, and um, there's even there next to the register button. There's even the reminder: like if this is still too high, please do contact us. And I don't think we've ever turned away anybody for anything, really. So yeah, affordability really, really matters. It's and I think one thing that we struggle with, just kind of from from the organizational perspective, there is that some people forget. You know what the international context means for us. You know we're very much aware 
that people come from all over. But for sometimes in the, in the U.S., they lack that comparison with like you realize there's also people signing up for this stuff that are from you know from countries um, that wouldn't be able to afford those ten dollars. So where do you put yourself? There's actually a, um, a feature that I really really like on this page on the conference page that is where you can click uh, check out your questionnaire and it walks you through a few questions to just ponder off like where am I in terms of finances and how does that compare? Like to really do a little bit of a self-assessment that's honest with yourself so that you don't just go, oh, what's the lowest I can pay kind of thing. So where do you find that on this conference? I go to the register and to the bottom where the registration is. And then there is a um, check out our questionnaire thing. And then a pop-up comes up and you can ask, for example, it has questions here like, are you and your family homeowners or landowners? And what was your education like? And, and things like that. So um, do you have friends that you could ask for money if you needed to? And so on, like, what's your context? Because, of course, it's so much, so, yeah, so many different situations for people. Right. There's a link to the questionnaire right there. Said we are committed to affordability, to talking about sociocracy for all. Given the vast inequality on our planet, affordability is something we care about. If you would like to attend our events but have a hard time affording the tickets, you can contact us at events at sociocracyforall.org to get a discount. Okay, and there's un, unsure how much to contribute, check out our questionnaire. Phenomenal. So you're living your mission. Okay. Trying to. Yes, yes. It's always, and of course, I, I guess one thing I want to say about that is there's always balance, right? It's always about balance. Because, I mean, in the extreme case, which is not going to happen anytime soon, but in the extreme case, if we went bankrupt, nobody would be able to afford any, like, you know, there would be nothing to buy, you know? There would be no offerings, there would be no articles, there would be no website, and so on. So we're constantly trying to manage that polarity between, okay, how can we make it accessible to everybody, because that's what we're about, while still making sure there are offerings and we can all, for example, um, pay our own people an actually living, living wage. That is something we're struggling with from time to time. So I would like to ask you about this the pro circular, circular cooperation model in Turkey. What is that segment about? Well, we had a, a member from, uh, from uh, Turkey join our circle, and uh, that, that person is a co-op developer in, in the country, and, and it's a burgeoning cooperative movement in, in, um, in Turkey. And uh, so this is an effort to have a session for people in that country to be able to speak in their own language and, and talk to each other and sort of uh, develop a community of practice, if you will, and start uh, a peer exchange and, and help build both the cooperative movement but also uh, the sociocratic uh, world within the country. And, um, and it's really exciting, I think. Uh, I, I'm someone that really... <clears throat> tries to learn as much as I can about how co-ops are acting in countries uh, outside of the U.S. because there's an incredibly vibrant international movement. And uh, we have a lot to learn from other countries and how to cooperate uh, in, uh, for us in the U.S. And uh, so it's really, this is an opportunity to to look into that window and, uh, and, and learn about how, how other people do it. So, John, when you were on the show before, what we talked about was your index, your evaluation tool, where you looked at a co-op to see how well is a co-op 
doing compared to its mission and the co-op values and principles. Are you using that at all when you're talking about the sociocracy and cooperation? We, we do use it. Uh, we, we definitely, uh, with co-ops that have the time and space to be able to, to use it for their strategic planning or, or other internal analysis, we, we certainly put it forward. Uh, you know, in, in my dissertation, I, I, uh, that's how I, I, I compared different types of co-op management, uh, including one that was using sociocracy and how they scored with the co-op index. And so the sociocratic co-op scored quite high compared to the other uh, models that were in play. So it's, it's definitely has some basis to it. I'd love to do more. Uh, we, we're trying to, we're still trying to get it uh, to become an online tool for people to be able to use and, and be able to build that data. So, John, when you go in to develop a co-op, is there any sort of here are four things that they must do and two things that would be hurtful or harmful? Do you have any rules like that? Well, um, I was told by one client uh, after listening to me for a while, uh, she said to me, so if I'm hearing you right, you're saying there's no one right way to do a co-op, but there are plenty of wrong ways to do a co-op. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really believe in self-determination, and, and people should be able to I try to help people do what they want to do, find out what they want to do, and then try to find how to do that within a cooperative world. And if it's not something that is really going to be fit within the cooperative world, I, I tell them that. Okay. So, that is their choice. So just a minute or two left. Ted, uh, you had mentioned Jessica Gordon-Nimhard, so I'd like to leave out with that, and if you would tell people one more time how they can find out about this conference. Sure. So you go to the sociocracyforall.org website and go to the tab on the top that says training and events and then events and workshops. And then it's uh, listed there. It should be easy, easy to find. And yes, that, um, that session um, that Jessica is doing, Diversity, Inclusion, Equity and Justice, um, is going to walk people through that context of um, shared power um, and diversity, inc inclusion, equity and justice in the core movement. So that's, as I said, one of the things that we're really paying attention to um, because it is so core and center when we talk about power. So excited about that. Talking and, about and I would like to just also point out Sociocracy for All has an incredible social justice statement on its website. And, and that was crafted using sociocracy. It started out of the co-op circle and it ended up going to the mission circle and then the entire membership. And there's a helping circle to craft it. And it's an incredibly elegant statement that came out of uh, the response to the murder of George Floyd and a couple of years ago. And um, um, I, I'm really proud of not only of the statement, but the process in creating it, because it, it really is. And that's part of why we also really wanted to make sure that Got to go, brother. I'm sorry. I really, I like it. I like what you're saying. Uh, everybody, please check with us next Thursday. Your news talk station.